Warning, this show has an annual profanity quota, and we've got a lot of explicit language to still get out this year. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by everyone's favorite Star Wars-themed band, the Red Hoth Chili Peppers. <laughs> ah, thank you, Eli, thank you. Not Noah, just Eli. And now, The Scathing Atheist. This is the baby loser. Just stopping in to let you know that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy, mental men. It's December 28th. And I refuse to do another show until next year. I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. From New York, New York. Secret Lair, Pennsylvania. This is Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, we do voices and skits so you can freak out those teenagers in the white shirts. The new Star Wars movie conceals its gay fuck robot agenda using lesbian SJW propaganda. And Pope Francis will lay down the law. First, the diatribe. I had a rare moment the other day where I caught a glimpse of what I think it's probably like to be religious. Now, to get you there, I have to bore the shit out of you with some football talk, the American kind, not the kind with the feet. But trust me, there's a worthwhile analogy at the end. So I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Now, normally that's the kind of thing you more admit than proclaim. It's the kind of thing you say sheepishly, quietly, and only when asked because they're perpetually terrible. But but I was living right down the road from Jacksonville when they were awarded the expansion team, got caught up in it. All my friends started watching Jags games. Before I knew it, it was my team. And, and it stayed my team even when they decided to suck for 20 years and I decided to move away. But this year, they're good. Or they feign goodness really well occasionally. So they're going to the playoffs. In fact, they're going to win their division for the first time since the divisional realignment in 2002. So me and the other six Jaguars fans learned on Christmas Eve day that the Jaguars were AFC South champions for the first time in franchise history. And I was really fucking stoked. Now, a bong rip later, though, I couldn't help but examine that elation because I get that it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter to at least the fifth power. Football is a meaningless sport with malleable rules that shift over time and don't reflect anything that people actually do in the world. There's no football in the wild or anything. It's not like being the fastest swimmer or the best hunter or anything. It is completely arbitrary. But beyond that, I'm not even tangentially involved in this accomplishment. You know, the coaching staff and the players should be really proud of themselves, arbitrary or not. But I sure as hell didn't have anything to do with their divisional title. Hell, I didn't even go to any games. And with a handful of exceptions, I didn't even see any of them. The entirety of my contribution was watching highlights and thinking to myself, yeah, I bet they melt down in the second half of the season, though. And, and even if somehow like fandom was meaningful and we could claim some iota of the credit for the team's 
you know, I don't know, ability to believe in themselves or something. The fact that I'm a fan of this particular team is completely arbitrary as well. It's a purely geographical coincidence, and I don't even live in the geographical location that makes that make sense anymore. And when it comes down to it, what am I even a fan of? Right. I mean, teams trade players, they draft new ones, they fire old ones, they change coaches, they change owners, they change uniforms, they move from one city to the other. So ultimately, what is one even rooting for? So, yeah, the latest iteration of a team I used to live near won an ultimately meaningless competition that I had nothing to do with. And even though I know that, I, I, I mean, I'm the one who just said it, even though I know that it doesn't matter and I still feel like celebrating. And it was in that moment that I realized this is probably what most religious people feel like, only, you know, without the self-awareness. I mean, the various world religions have less in common than NFL teams, but for most adherents, it really doesn't matter what religion you belong to. You're hearing the same basic message from your religious leader. You know, which religion you belong to is a condition of geography. Yeah, you know, sure, maybe you convert, maybe you're born and raised a Lions fan, but you turn into a Jags fan because of social pressure, but ultimately it's all arbitrarily determined by your location and your peer group. What's more, you might not even go to the games or the church or whatever, but you're still a member of that religion. And just like sports teams, religions shift and change over time, right? And the Catholic church stretches back thousands of years, but Catholics from the 1400s would burn the Catholics of today alive and would themselves be burned alive by the Catholics of the 1100s. The interpretations of even the most fundamental doctrines change over time. The important geographical locations change. The rivalries change. And just like football, none of it actually reflects anything real in the world. Regardless of their tenets, all of the religions are based on meaningless revelations from deeply flawed and full of shit human beings. So just like the Jaguars division title, religion doesn't matter to at least the fifth power. And yet when the Christian guy wins in the Supreme Court, all the non-bakers who have no issue with gay rights are tempted to pump a fist for the home team. Now, there's a major distinction that I have to draw here. I mean, if, if the Bears fans were lobbing ballistic missiles at the Packers fans over the borders and Patriot fans were being deprived of their rights in Giants country, I feel like I'd stop being a football fan altogether, right? I, I wouldn't try to justify my affinity for the Jaguars by pointing out that they've committed the fewest war crimes in their entire division. I wouldn't continue to support their franchise if it was the key player in a multinational child sex abuse scandal. And if football fans were killing each other in the streets, my message wouldn't be root for the team that does the least killing. It would be football doesn't fucking matter. Stop killing each other. Of course, to be fair, I'm kind of being tested on that shit right now. And from the no head trauma to see here medical policy to the right, but he's a great guy when he's not raping draft analysis to the blackballing of black rights, the NFL has given me plenty of reason to feel queasy about supporting them. But our football tradition is different than the ones in Europe. Our violence isn't perpetrated on the fans, but rather on the players' spouses. And it's perpetrated by the star players, not the fences. So at the moment, I can just barely still justify it. But that's not the only place where the analogy breaks down, of course, because ultimately... You can love football and know it doesn't matter. You know, when you admit that about religion, the whole edifice comes crumbling down and people are way too committed to it to let that happen. And what we've been seeing over and over again throughout recorded history is that these people are willing to let the entire society crumble around them if that's what it takes to keep their religion erect. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are two men who have been filing away at the lines holding that ball up over Times Square for weeks. Heath Edright and Eli Bosnick. 
Fellas, are you ready to get this shitty fucking year over with or what? <laughs> I don't know. Last time we had a worst year ever, we ended up with this year. I feel like we should just stay here until we get this kind of terrible figured out. You know, it's just right. like, I get this. I can handle this. I don't know. I mean, speaking as a, a middle class, heterosexual, cisgender white man, I honestly don't know what everyone's whining about. <laughs> it was a pretty yeah, good year. Right. Gonna have better taxes next year. No. No. Yeah, I'll explain it after the record, Heath. Um, all right, so in our lead story tonight, Cardinal Bernard Law did us all the favor of dying last Wednesday, though unfortunately, despite my repeated recommendation letters, peanut butter and bionically enhanced wolverines were uninvolved. I just got to say, I still don't understand why you insisted on that part. It's weird that you insisted on I the bionically enhanced. I don't feel like that's I weird at all. Anyway, like that's okay. reasonable. instead, the ringleader of the decades-long <laughs> sex abuse scandal in Boston, the the one that they made the Oscar-winning movie out of, was allowed to live out his life unpunished in Rome until he keeled over from the weight of his overburdened conscience at the age of 86. Yeah, and here's the thing. If I can't tell whether you're talking about a Catholic priest or a Nazi in that last <laughs> sentence, maybe both organizations should get shut down. Yeah. Um, glad he's dead, though. So at, least, yeah. at least we have. Uh, well, glad he's dead. We don't know that. Death could have just moved him to another dimension to keep covering up kids. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Shit, man. We're going to have to sit, stick this guy in Mormon heaven at this point. Uh, yeah, okay. So quick refresher here. Law wrote the book on unpunished Catholic rape enabler. That's a, it's a weird book. It's a weird book. <laughs> Lots of fan nonfiction ever yeah, since, too. No it's shit. real depressing. It's an so international You don't, don't want to get trend. into this genre. Now, okay, so he was named as a defendant in a number of high-profile sex abuse trials in Boston back in the early 2000s. And in these trials, he was shown to have known about several dozen serial child sex abusers who he not only failed to report, but also moved from one unsuspecting parish to another unsuspecting parish so that their pickings wouldn't slim out at all. Uh, he's the Harvey Weinstein of child rape. He, he was described by the Boston Globe as the central figure in the abuse scandal. Uh, though, to be fair, the Vatican wouldn't put rape enabler and chief Benedict in charge until after they said that. Yeah. The Vatican was like, Oh, you think that guy's bad? Well, what about the guy who's supposed to catch him? Who is also a Nazi? Yeah. Huh? How that? <laughs> oh, Oh my God. I just realized the Catholic church is written by Stephen Moffat. How sad. <laughs> How sad. <laughs> Starts out good. And then it's just like, Oh, and then he's also a bat. <laughs> they really have Sister. a lot in common with Nazis. Yeah. They do. <laughs> The senior homes in Argentina and Vatican City, its it's got to be nothing but priests and Nazis just trying to fuck out their four-hour guilt boners on each other. It's got to be a weird... <laughs> or their grandkids when they visit. Well, yeah, sometimes. right, yeah. right. So stay out of Argentina is what we're saying. Um, It's also worth remembering that law wasn't so much exonerated as let go on a technicality in all of this. Uh, Massachusetts AG released a report that made it super clear that law allowed the abuse to continue and even facilitated it. But because the law requiring abuse to be reported wasn't expanded to priests until 2002, because you have to spell that out specifically, you know, <laughs> when you say no parking, you have to add at any time. But also because, you know, obviously the Catholic Church swings a lot of dick in Massachusetts politics. He was never charged with any fucking thing. Of course, before that report came out, before that decision was made, he'd already retired and moved his ass to Rome. So it's not like he was facing punishment one way or the other. But in the interest of political balance, he was a technical non-criminal. Yeah, just like it's technically not theft to steal from a Catholic church. Uh, nope. Uh, nope. It's not. 
No, no. <laughs> Agree to disagree. No, nope. no, I never, nope, I never agree to that. Um, they let course. anybody in during Christmas. That's what's fun about it. <laughs> of not course, take laws. Your gold. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, Law's death created a big problem for image conscious Pope Frankenberry, who had to weigh the very real symbol of ongoing abuse and neglect that Bernard Law was against his mystical, magical obligations to a pre-Dark Ages death ritual. Of course, he faced pressure on both sides, so the Pope elected a compromise where he had the funeral at St. Peter's Basilica with all the papal regalia, attended the funeral, offered up a blessing, and pretended the kid rapey thing never happened. Which is a compromise because the Cardinal specifically requested to be buried with two living eight-year-old boys. So, like... But the Pope was like, no, you made us look like idiots. You get one 16-year-old. I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And you know what? Let's be fair here because there's been a lot of ink spilled over this. But at this point, that is exactly what we should expect from Pope Francis. Right? He talked a tall game coming in, but he's been even worse about this shit than Benedict was. He promised a Vatican tribunal to prosecute bishops like Law. Still waiting on that, and Law died of old age. He's continued the policy of sneaking problem priests out of foreign countries in the dead of night and refusing to extradite. We've seen that several times in his papacy. They were going to do a whole uh, kid raping audit thing, but they canceled it, and then they started <laughs> it again, and they canceled it again. And either not a single case of abuse has been discovered during his entire papacy or he's still ignoring it. But that's OK because he hugs deformed people, I guess. And that makes up for it. And like not even hard enough for it to matter. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and in Skybox Diddy News tonight, we're often told that God works. Thank you. Thank you. We're often told that God works in mysterious ways and apologetic that. I, for one, have learned only applies to deities and not to podcasters. Oh, oh it applies. It's it's just not legally exculpatory. I don't, I don't think anyone <laughs> at that Chuck E. Cheese's would deny that it was mysterious. Thank you. Uh, no, strong, I strong disagree. If I'm at Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> and Eli walks in, I'm not surprised by whatever happens next. It could like Maybe a marked van would be a surprise if I went outside and he had a marked van, but that's about it. All right, so three separate votes. We're like the Supreme Court right nope. now. I get it. Nope. <laughs> uh, but see, this week, God's a little less Santa and a little more Riddler than usual. When, to prove divine purpose, Sean Diddy Combs tweeted a picture of himself in a Carolina Panthers jersey from 2003 with the caption, quote, this picture was taken back in 2003. <laughs> this is God's work. It's time. What? <laughs> okay, so for context... Sean Diddy Combs, who listeners may remember for his hits, I'll Be Missing You and Can't Nobody Hold Me Down, which I did not have to Google. Big fan. Love <laughs> if you were really a fan, you wouldn't think people remembered him for his hits. <laughs> anyway, he wants to buy the Panthers and was using this moment to prove that it's not just a life goal. It's not just on his vision board. It's divinely ordained. Yeah, well, right, because they had the whole sex abuse scandal from the last owner, so they bring in, you know, a progressive women's rights kind of guy here. Perfect. But I like the idea that what's on your T-shirt is God's message. This explains why Eli gave me Christmas T-shirts that had a picture of Zestral and calcium channel blockers on them. So <laughs> makes a lot more sense now. All right, so here's what I did. I went back and looked at some other pictures of P. Diddy, and if anything... It seems like God's telling him he should buy some 
hair follicles to connect his little 12-year-old dirt stash to his chin brow. I mean, if there was any message in the pictures that God took. Right. But let's break this down according to Mr. Diddy. God is sitting in heaven, right, ignoring AIDS, you know, the yush, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to make sure Jerry Richardson molests a bunch of people, and then he has to step down so I can replace him with a rapper who won't stop taking pictures of himself with bottles of Ciroc. Good plan. I nailed it. I'm God. How long should I let Jerry Richardson get away with it? Like 14 years? Yeah, right, right. 14? We'll say say 14. Cool. All right. And in 23 and a half and me news. <laughs> that Ohio. is an amazing joke. They do not deserve you. <laughs> they do not deserve you. Thank you. Thank you. Eli. So Ohio governor and terrifying best case scenario of the 2016 GOP primaries. John Kasich spent most of last week with his face under a mattress and a baseball wrapped inside as usual. <laughs> God, but, that explains so much. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Meets foot oil. He's nice. He's got a nice pocket snaps when you hit him. But uh, he did emerge for a few minutes so he could sign a new bill that would address the problem in his state. And of course, that problem is too much women's rights and too much IQ. And of course, the best way to accomplish those goals is to make a law that would ban the termination of any pregnancy if the fetus has Down syndrome. Yeah. So he signed that. Yeah, it's not as bad if the if the abortion is recreational, but uh... <laughs> also Heath, not to nitpick, but the best case scenario of the 2016 GOP primaries was a massive structural collapse at the first debate and a Jill Stein presidency. I, I don't know. I know. Wait, you just wait, said wait, it. Oh, oh whoa, it? whoa! A Jill Stein presidency? Yeah, I decided I want them to win one. It's like it's like when you let a five year old pick dinner and they choose whipped cream and they make themselves throw up and then they stop <laughs> <Yeah>. asking, right? <laughs> Also, bonus to that, not worse than Trump. No, so like, no, probably not. Be a bad not. year, but like should be wearing a helmet around nuclear plants and <laughs> letting people make up sacred sites wherever they wanted to. It'd be fun. <laughs> Wacky fun. All right. Well, it's a bad example with the whipped cream. You don't throw it. You just enjoy it. And you get it. I don't really get what you're saying with that, but I think I, I, think I see what the analogy you're going for. Anyway, so here's how the new law would work in Ohio. If a doctor performed an abortion on a fetus that's been diagnosed with Down syndrome, that would be a fourth degree felony and they'd face a large fine, the loss of their medical license and up to a year and a half in prison. But don't worry, the mother would not be punished. Uh, First of all, because Ohio's nice and woke about their misogyny, (laughs) but also because no mother would exist. So it makes no goddamn sense to use the word mother there. Well, you know, I, I I will say it's about time that there was a downside to prenatal genetic testing. I was sick of pregnant women getting a free ride on this shit. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like it. It brings back the tradition of dad sitting in the waiting room going, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so uh, you might be thinking to yourself at this point, uh, wait, so they made a law that only protects fetuses with Down syndrome? Isn't that (laughs) fucking stupid? (laughs) And yes, they did. And yes, it is. Uh, It also sets up a situation where pregnant women are going to get all their prenatal testing in like Groucho Marx disguises with kidnapper voice filters. It's a terrible (laughs) idea. Bottom line, this is an awful law because abortions are fucking great. And these are (laughs) the best ones. These are the best ones. It's like banning blowjobs except for the ones with teeth. Why would you do that? (laughs) Okay, I feel like 
I'm not saying people with Down syndrome are like toothy blowjobs. <laughs> That's what it so- sounded like I was saying Keep explaining. Just now. Keep I'm, explaining. Say, I'm saying the this, fetuses yeah, you're are like that. I'm yourself saying the right fetuses out. are not you're, the no. people. People the are all, damn it. People are already going to love this story. Just really dig in there. Tell Black them what lives mean. matter. Black lives matter. <laughs> Moving on. What if they have Down syndrome? Don't. Don't. We're not getting into it. They all the damn it. Black lives matter. Moving out of the edit and in pyramid scheme news tonight. Being an atheist in Egypt is set to somehow get even worse in the coming year, according to a recently disclosed plan from the nation's Committee on Religion. If put into action, the parliament will make not believing in God a criminal offense, even if you don't tell anyone about it. What? Mm. What I feel like this ends up with me and Anthony Magnabosco as a crime fighting team on Egyptian TV. Just like, (laughs) uh, hey, what if God told you to kill your son? Uh... Take him away, officer. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) according to current Egyptian law, you can be prosecuted for promoting atheism, which has been interpreted to mean admitting it publicly. Um, So it's kind of like the don't ask, don't tell policy without the don't ask part. But apparently (laughs) that's not enough because the Committee on Religion thought that's a little lenient. Uh, We need some thought police. Oh, that's the name of the show. Thank you, Noah. Thought Police. <laughs> You're welcome. This Friday on Fox, right after He's, Blackish. <laughs> you just got like Muslim Tom Cruise rolling a ski ball down a table at you. Catch if there's no God. Bust it. <laughs> Stab you. <laughs> now, I should point out that this is not exactly coming out of the blue if you've been following Egyptian news. For the last several years, Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi has been bending over backwards to make atheists into the national boogeyman. So, like, right after his inauguration, he promised to, quote, crush every form of atheism, end quote, except for the quote was in Egyptian, I bet. Uh, A government-linked newspaper said atheism leads to mental imbalances and paranoia, you know, because you know how those atheists are always paranoid. just fly off the handle about anything. Thank you, Muslims. That's a good note for us. Yeah. Um, (laughs) They also declared atheists to be Egypt's number two enemy after the Muslim Brotherhood. So they at least recognize, yeah, no, those crazy us's are even worse. Um, Later that year, the government announced that there were precisely 866 atheists in the country and they knew who they were. 860. Like, no, in a country of... Almost 100 million people. That number is off by something like four orders of magnitude. But the intended intimidation isn't dampened by its inaccuracy. If anything, (laughs) it's probably heightened by that a bit. All right. What? 122, 123. There's like five times this amount. (laughs) (laughs) And in Auschwitz, child, is this news tonight. As listeners may be aware, Mormonism... Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. As listeners may be aware, Mormonism is a big old basket of crazy. From the book to their beautiful city full of smiling secret perverts, almost everything about them is nuts. But the most Marcus thing they do, patent pending, <laughs> might be their symbolic baptisms of the dead. Oh, whoa, whoa. I, I don't mean to be a contrarian, but these are people that wear magic underwear. There's no competition here for most. There's no might most here. <laughs> all right. All right. And of course, like the symbolic bodies of famous dead people, this practice has gotten them in hot water this week <laughs> or, or lukewarm water. Not actually sure about the water temperature. <laughs> I want to become a Mormon at 108 Fahrenheit with soy. This is why they spit in your baptism tub, dude. This is why nobody would let you in Salt Lake City. It was a whole thing. 
Oh, Ridiculous. So good. Either way, they're in trouble <laughs> this week for post-death baptizing the grandparents of Donald Trump, family members of Hillary Clinton, but more importantly, they also symbolically baptized a couple dozen Holocaust victims. What? Oh, um. Okay, so that's terrible, but why... Specifically, a couple dozen. The number to me feels like the most offensive part of that. What? <laughs> the good ones. They got small. the good ones. Exactly. <laughs> now, when it comes to Trump, let's just be honest. I get it. Anything to try to stop the evil. Surprise, they are in the back of people's houses looking for a rift in time. But those Holocaust victims, let's just say, are a faux pas. <laughs> well, right, because no, then that fucks up the Jew magic. The Jew have it. To undo it, you got to get a special rabbi. You got to get that missionary. There's a priest involved. They all have to walk into a bar. It's a whole fucking thing. <laughs> the water in the baptism tub, it keeps parting. Fuck! <laughs> so can't get him. He keeps moving it. Stop. Oh, the best. And here's the weird thing. So they've actually gotten in trouble for doing stuff like this before. This is their kid fucking, basically. Like, every time you turn around, new royal commission on the Mormons, whether or not Mormons post hoc baptized Marilyn Monroe or something. Which, uh, fun fact, they did. They did post hoc <laughs> yeah, baptize well, Marilyn to Monroe. To undo all the, all the whore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just keeps parting for Marilyn, but in a very different shape. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to the Jews. So... This could just be a plot to lower the number of Jews killed in the Holocaust. <laughs> throw okay. that out there right away. I mean, isn't that a isn't that a good thing? <laughs> How's that a bad thing? It's a weird week for you in the Positive. Holocaust. You gotta, well, I'm saying it's better it, no, if it was fine. less. It's cool, you know, if it was lower, we would want to lower that number. We wouldn't want to lower I'm, that I'm number. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's very offensive, Heath. It would be fewer. Fewer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Mormon churches apologize and explain that this is against their policy, but it's also, pretty clear that they're only sorry because they got caught. So Mormons, just know, if you ever try to ghost baptize me, I will give you the weirdest, most awkward boner when you dunk yourself. Just be aware. All right? Just the tip of your dick won't be ghost baptized because I will. I'll give, I'll give you a morning boner. You know what I'm saying? How does describe your... No, no, don't. No, no, no. We're moving, on. moving on. Moving on. And in Ministry of Truthiness News... We have a follow-up on last week's story about the White House giving a list of banned words to the Centers for Disease Control. Well, apparently that's not what happened, uh, despite sounding like exactly the type of thing you'd expect to happen with this White House, which is a problem in and of itself. Regardless, here's what actually happened with the list of banned words. Turns out it didn't come from the White House. Instead, it was actually an internal strategy by the CDC to trick ignorant religious lawmakers into agreeing with intelligent public policy by them avoiding, you know, faggy liberal science words that scare those Republican <laughs> right, lawmakers. Right. I mean, I'm tempted to say it's worse than we thought. It isn't. It isn't. It's just stupider. It's stupider than <laughs> it like, stupider. like our national policy is now being governed by directives akin to, well, just pretend it doesn't have gluten then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just to recap. We have a bunch of scientists, and I cannot stress this enough. They're in charge of disease control. <laughs> kind of important. Kind of important, yes. And they realized that they had to edit their own words and use euphemisms just to be sure that ignorant fucks in Congress won't, like, pee on the floor when they hear the words, go for a walk in a bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look out next week for the order from the CDC to spell in front of the president. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ixnay on the Ada Day. Yeah. So, again, the uh, White House didn't ban any words uh, yet. But the general idea of the problem from last week's report, it's still there. The general idea. We have people in charge of running the country who won't listen to science if it has words like diversity, transgender, fetus, entitlement, science-based, evidence-based, and vulnerable. Yeah. The satirical universes of Orwell and Bradbury somehow came to life, marched out of their books with fucking tiki torches, and took over American <laughs> politics. That's where we are. Still, you got to wonder how this policy is going. I mean, should we head over to the White House and see what's up? See what's up? See what's up? Uh, Mr. President? Oh, good. Tall Tyler. Get in here, big guy. Try not to hit your head on the door. <laughs> yeah, I'm still 5'8". Um, what, maybe if I wore lower shoes? What? N nothing. T-Dog, listen, you got to do something about this fake news. I didn't tell anyone at the BBC they couldn't say any words. I don't know what most of those words mean. Yeah, but I'm no, seeing it no, I've, I, I got you. I've already looked into it, sir. It's, it seems that this was more of a, uh, like an internal directive. Oh, uh, yeah. You got to use body safe latex for that kind of stuff. Can't just put anything up there. No, Mr. President, if I may, perhaps the puppet pals would help. Ooh, ooh, yay, puppet pals. Bring the puppet pals. Yeah. Love the puppet pals. Uh, Steve, can can you come in here with the, uh, bring the. Hi, Mr. President. What the hell? That's Fat Steve. I hate Fat Steve. Where are the puppet pals? Tyler, you right promised here, me the puppet pals. Mr. President, it's me, Poopsie. <laughs> Poopsie, there you are. Fat Steve was here before. I hate him. So fat. Uh, actually, Mr. President, Steve is actually a uh, a pretty normal weight for his height, uh, to be <clears> fair. <throat> right, uh, right. So, sorry. Uh, oh, Mr. President, we better make some room for medicine in the tax plan or Baldy the Eagle might get a tummy ache. No, not Baldy the Eagle. I love that guy. He taught me where North Crimea is. Uh, uh Korea. Exactly. What did I say? And while Eli plots out the Poopsie and Baldy marketing scheme for 2018, we'll pause for a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It is a slut, right? Hey, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massage. I had a listener tell me once that I was his gateway to feminism. And that's the title I'm pretty proud to wear. He went on to explain that before he started listening to this show, he considered himself an ally of women's rights, but he didn't get feminism. He explained that whenever he heard that word, it was always in association with some seemingly innocent thing that he was doing wrong. And I guess I get that to a certain degree. I get a lot of shit for even acknowledging this masculine backlash against feminist issues, as though to recognize it was to condone it. And to be perfectly honest, it's a big part of why I do this segment. I felt like the word feminism and the issues that surround it were getting a bum rap. And that's not because there's a bunch of shaved-headed, militant, lesbian feminists harping on harmless shit, as one side would have you believe. But it's also not because most men are cocooned in a fragile, patriarchal shell that refuses to accept the wage gap, as another side would have you believe. In reality, what's happening is two groups of people are talking past each other. Women grow up on sexism. We're inundated with it from the time our tits sprout at the latest. And while men are aware of it, they're not drowning in it. So when feminists talk to one another, there are a lot of unspoken realities that we've all known about for a long time. But men that show up in the middle of the movie often need those plot points spelled out for them. 
And that's where this week of misogyny comes in. Not to be too condescending here, lest I risk gal-splaining, but my focus here is on the more egregious forms of sexism. Not because the other ones don't matter, but because they're easier to appreciate if you're constantly reminded of how pervasive and devastating misogyny is. But along the way, I think it's important to remind everyone that even the seemingly trivial abuses matter. You don't have to be Steven Anderson or Rush Limbaugh to do a lot of damage. You could even be trying to help. Take, for example, a story a concerned listener sent me out of Australia this week. Now, I'm not going to dive into the details of the story, but I'll have it linked on the show notes if you want to take a look. Suffice it to say, for our purposes here, that it's a story about yet another prominent athlete using his celebrity status to try and get away with rape. And the story I saw was very sympathetic to the victim, but that didn't stop it from being absurdly sexist. See, the whole theme of the story was that this rape was doubly egregious because the victim was a virgin, a Christian, no less, who was saving herself for marriage. Now, you can see right away how the writer gets there. Again, doesn't have to be a spittle sprinkler vagina phobic to write this. He's trying to sympathize here, but he's also reinforcing the fuck out of the used bubblegum theory of human sexuality. He's saying that rape is less insidious if she's a slut. He's saying that there's some kind of sexual purity that she was robbed of, or rather he's not saying any of that because he's just kind of assuming it goes without saying. Now, step back and ask yourself if this kind of sexism is any less damaging than the other stuff I talk about on this segment. And look, I believe it's an honest mistake. I don't think the reporter was a raging misogynist. He was just making logical conclusions based on the pervasive culture of sexism that he grew up in. And that's the kind of shit that's bound to happen if there aren't any feminists out there to point it out now and again. Anyway, just thought that was worth saying, especially on a week where almost all of my news sources for this segment are on a holiday break. But I'm sure I have plenty to talk about next week. Until then, I'm going to hand things back over to Noah, Keith, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in breath of fresh air news tonight, listeners returning from the holidays with religious family may have been asked once or twice, why they are an atheist? Uh, because God doesn't exist. <laughs> because it, it was my safety school. I didn't Ooh, make it close. Into close. <laughs> no, apparently it's because we don't know how to breathe right. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, myself as a given, according to breathing therapist Nevsa Fidan Karamehmet, whose name I pronounced incorrectly and slowly because she's got the little S. On the with that five on the tail in her name, so fuck that shit. <laughs> but the reason we're atheists, according to her, is because we breathe from our stomachs, not our chests. Okay, That's- okay. <laughs> I use my blowhole. This lady is a racist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, while appearing on CNN Turk, Kermit the Fraud said, "Quote, <laughs> thank you, thank you." Said, "Quote, <laughs> radical atheists come to my seminars. There are many serious researches conducted to find." the relations between breathing and thinking. For example, atheists' abdominal breathing is perfect, but there is no breath in here, she said, pointing at her ribcage. There is a bulge in the ribcage. It is like there's a stone in there. (laughs) End quote. And oh, look, look, damn it, she's right. Feel that, feel that. Um, Well, that is not your chest, and no. Um, (laughs) She's talking about the xiphoid process that everybody has. Uh, Anyway. All right, withdrawn. Well, either way, I know I've got a new answer for the whole why can't you get right with God question next Thanksgiving for my Aunt Kathy. So, (laughs) (sighs) 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 
And in putting this shit back in Fianchetto news tonight, a five-day world chess tournament, thank you, in Saudi Arabia has sparked religious outrage in in a reminder that nothing is too mundane and uncontroversial to piss off Muslims. Now, I'll admit that with all the shit going on in the world, this is in no way newsworthy, but I still like to take time now and again to remind everybody that religious fundamentalism makes a goddamn catastrophe out of everything. No, a good percentage of the people listening to this got yelled at for not saying magic words over Christmas dinner hard enough. So you go yeah. on ahead. You go on ahead. <laughs> you know what I like to do? I like to demand a secular invocation after grace. Uh, usually what I do, it's like a game. I just see how long I can stay silent. And I do like hand gestures to make it seem like I'm about to start it. <laughs> and I just go as long as I can. It's, everybody's fun, fun time if you're... Don't want to mess with it. All right. So back to the chess tournament. Uh, we're going to set aside for a moment the fact that Qatari players aren't attending because of that weird thing that Saudi Arabia did where they put their entire country under siege for no reason. Uh, Israeli players aren't attending because the Saudis pretended they weren't home when they called about visas. And Iranian players aren't attending because they hate literally everybody. Um, and, and But instead... We're Ron Passant. Nice. And uh, we're going to look instead at the homegrown objections here. So in early 2016... Saudi's top cleric, Grand Mufti Sheikh Abdulaziz al-Sheikh, declared chess to be haram or forbidden because it wastes time and promotes rivalry among players. (laughs) Don't waste time and promote rivalry. Okay, now it's time to pray for the fifth time today. (laughs) Lord, give us the strength to finally solve this Israel problem. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Don't waste time and promote rivalry. You know what else feels like it would promote rivalry is genociding Yemen. Um, But... (laughs) This fatwa against the Grunfeld defense has led to an outcry against the tournament from religious conservatives in the nation, a group better known uh, by the term Saudi Arabian people. There. <laughs> Plus, the pieces are like impossible to murder, right? Like the knife keeps sliding. I, but, you know, I the wonder because they have that whole thing about not making a graven image of a human. I wonder how human their pawns are allowed to look. You know, put the head on the bottom. Anyway, it's worth adding that a number of female chess players worldwide are also boycotting the tournament over the nation's abysmal record on women's rights. I kind of feel like some chess playing dudes should be doing the same, but whatever. You know, chicks can drive now or will be able to next year, they (laughs) promise. But but to Saudi Arabia's credit, they did waive the normal beekeeper dress code for female visitors this year and are allowing female competitors to get away with dressing like edgy 18th century school marms. So, you know, (laughs) progress. And finally tonight, from the Star Wars Deep State Nine file, host of InfoWars, Alex Jones shoved another bag of glass and bubbling oil into his larynx (laughs) and angrily put a shirt back on long enough to give everyone his commentary on the latest Star Wars movie last week. This is the review I've been waiting for. And uh, yeah, according to Hulk Bogan, the whole film (laughs) is state-sponsored social justice propaganda. And that's why he didn't go see it. (laughs) He also might have added, I'd be crazy to go see it and sane if I don't. But if I'm sane, I'd have to go see it. If I see it, I'm crazy and don't have to. But if I don't want to see it, I'd be sane and I'd have to. What? Who's Joseph Heller? Nerd. End of show. (laughs) You're a book. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Alex Jones thinks the Catch-22 is when you have to check all the boxes at the dick clinic. I don't know he's going to get that one. It's it's hard to parody Alex Jones. It's like it's like trying to do an impersonation of the Elephant Man where you aren't making fun of him. It's like <laughs> it's you, it, like that. Doesn't matter how accurate it feels. Me, yeah. So, 
<laughs> Apparently, George Lucas is just a puppet for the the Trump administration and the radical SJW agenda. What? Yeah, uh, Jones claims that he talked to someone who did see the movie, and that's how he got ready for his review of the movie that he didn't see. Mm -hmm. And here's what he had to say about the movie that, again, he did not see. Quote, I heard it was total SJW. Princess Leia has a girlfriend with purple hair. Princess Leia? I I don't care if there's people with purple hair, but every movie, the women are the bosses, the women are the heroes, they're all lesbians, end quote. (laughs) Okay, so now I want to see it even more. So mad. I love right? that he brought up the purple hair. Yeah, what? <laughs> now, to be fair, I feel like the scene where Ray filed a grievance against the Jedi Council for all the lightsabers being dick shit was a bit over the top. But other than that, he's full of shit. <laughs> full of shit. Yeah, and uh, Jones also added the following. And I, I genuinely have no idea what he's saying. So maybe you guys can help me out. Here it is. Quote. It's the same story over and over again, and it's a formula. Okay, stop saying the parts that I agree with of what Alex (laughs) Jones said, please. It's state-sponsored. It's brainwashing. Uh, Here's where I get really confused. It's like all these shows where the Russians are our enemies and then the bad guy, because they're the resistance, fighting like an Eric Trump-like character, end quote. Okay. Sentences so he done. knows, he knows Eric Trump looks like a movie villain. Are they, <laughs> are they going for that? Right. Yeah. Well, and, right? Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Let's back this up. Let's think this through because this formula was hammered out in 1977, right? <laughs> Eric Trump was born in 84. So in Alex Jones's mind, George Lucas is sitting around with all his writing buddies and he says, hey, you know which one of Ivana Zelnikova's unfertilized eggs would make a great nemesis in this thing? <laughs> Hold on. I think I got it here. All right. Well, if anyone's seen the movie, we'd love to hear what you think. The theory we're testing goes something like this. The U.S. government is trying to convert the entire population into uh, space traveling lesbians from the past and, and then phase three profit. So <laughs> get your name. Let us know. If that's Well, I can't say I understand there. it, but I'm pretty sure that space traveling lesbians and profit do belong in the same sentence. So we're going to take a minute <laughs> to puzzle that out uh, and we'll close the headlines there. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, you'll start. They did it again now. Like, there's a new one that's topical now. And when we come back, you'll start getting sad that Mormon Peace Theater is almost over. And then I'm going to be like, you like that, Mr. Squeak the Squirrel? And he's going to be like, oh, dude, dude, what are you what? doing? Oh, hey, Noah. Hey, Heat. Have, have you guys seen my, uh, oh, God, is that a fursuit what are you doing uh fursona don't be a dick okay okay but why into a microphone uh yeah don't don't ask questions why would you want to know more about this why don't we just guys guys it's for the patreons the the patrons yeah yeah guys i'm gonna get some of that sweet sweet furry money sweet sweet Furry money, yes, furry what? money, Look, yes. Eli, it's just after Christmas. People are going to pledge to the show because they want to help us do what we love and what they love us to do, and, and and they know we can't do it without them. Yeah, and you don't need to make furry erotica. People who pledge a dollar a week, they can get an extended commercial-free version of our show, and they can use it on any podcast player. The furry thing seems 
Superfluous. Yeah, I mean, and, and higher-level patrons get free books, shout-outs, access to patron-only Q&As, and even a song on the anniversary of being a patron. Yeah. I guess that's all pretty good. I don't think we need the furry erotica then. Okay, but just while we're on the subject, how much money you know, could, could those furry porn makers be, be getting anyway? Uh, so the second place one makes $33,000 a month. Okay, so I'm Squeaky Squirrel, mm -hmm. you said? Yeah, yeah you yeah. are. And I'm Foxy the Turtle. Okay. Well, you're bad at this job. To do, do the noise again. Ah! That's, that, that's turtle to you? That's, that's furry turtle to you in a sex situation? Catch a kick. Okay, that's Catch a little it. better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, Noah. I am instigating a conversation with you. Right now, is this did, this th this is an ad, isn't th it? This is normal talking cadence, and uh, yes, it, it is. Yes, an ad. Okay, yeah, it's an all ad. right. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 but wait, I didn't think we had any sponsors this week. Uh, yeah, it's a last minute addition to the ad schedule. Oh, okay. Uh, should I um, get, pretend to be at a restaurant or something? Or sure, yeah. That mm -hmm. okay. Um, here I am at a. At a restaurant. Great, great. And I'm here to tell you about a new meal delivery service. Okay, not for nothing, but they usually transition at least a little bit. So you've than heard this. of Blue Apron and a number of other meal delivery services, but today we're proud to present something new. It's like Blue Apron, but instead of pre portioned ingredients for fancy meals, with this one, sometimes you just get a bowl of whipped cream or a really big plate of bacon because that's dinner too. Okay, I feel like this isn't a real Okay, thing. just listen to this month's menu. We have ramen. Um, you're, uh, you're done with the list now. Uh, we also have big bowl of whipped cream, and I am still working on the rest of the menu. I see. Yeah, Heath's Apron. It's a meal delivery service for if you're not a pretentious vegan who pretends to know what food is, even though he eats textured soy protein and can't handle grown-up coffee temperatures. Are you really going with Heath's Apron? Heath's Apron. The end right way to cook. Okay. Okay. <laughs> As family and friends gather for the holidays, one starts to ruminate on all that one is grateful for. Love, life, and the fact that we're almost done with a fucking Book of Mormon. And if our last time-traveling double-dipping segment left you as confused as it did us, then we hope to be your Lehoni this week in Mormon Peace Theater. Hi, I'm Mormon. Um, I'm writing the book now. Just uh, let me tell you what happened to me when I was 10. Hey, kid. You want to ride home? Nope, nope, not that, not uh, the other thing. Lulu, just being a kid, sure do love Legos or whatever the ancient equivalent of those are. Mormon, Mormon. Whoa, God. I have chosen you to be my prophet. Wow, cool. What am I going to preach? Uh, you know what, I'll, I'll be back in like 14 years and I'll tell you that. Oh, okay. So then, um, why are you here now? Oh, you know, just, uh, 
felt like it was better to hang out on this side of the planet for a bit. Got a, uh, got a teenager pregnant in Jerusalem, so I'm laying low. Well, sure, I get it. You, you do? Oh, yeah, man. If there's grass on the field, play ball. Yeesh. Wow, buildings here in Zarahemla sure are big. Um, excuse me, sir? Yeah, kid, what do you want? Uh, I'm, I'm looking to tell people that they're too stiff-necked. Uh, okay, okay, you want to go up past Toritoid uh, Street and take the uh, end train to Astoria. No, no, you want to take, you don't, not the end train, you, we want to take the W. No, no, the W doesn't exist anymore. Yes, it does. This is ancient Zarahemla. Oh, right. And lo, war broke out with the Lamanites again. Y- you know what? And lo, war broke out with the Lamanites again. Good. I've got that, and I'm on vacation now. I can just play that. Oh, man, we're getting the shit kicked out of us by the Lamanites. Tell me about it. Oh, well, um, I could tell you guys how to win. I mean, I did taste the goodness of Jesus, after all. Hey, shut up about that. Oh, you mean the Nephites are unworthy to win right now? Yeah, that's it. Nailed it. But shut up. Don't tell them about the tasting. Shush. See, now this is why I didn't want to do gay Jesus. Now gay Jesus is a pedophile? Yeah, uncomfortable. There is no way to draw from what I'm saying that all gay men are pedophiles. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't, no, no, it's, no. It seems, no, it's just a tasting of Jesus thing. Also, Mormon is 16 at this point. So even and if it I'm were... So, I'm, I'm sorry. Wait. That, what is the point of him being 16? Help. All I'm saying is No, that, you know yeah, what? We're okay, done. No, yeah, we're done with this conversation. Kevin Spacey did nothing wrong. Beep. And so it was that the Gadiantans did flow over the land, and though they tried to bury their treasure, the Lord made the land slippery, and they were unable to find it. Hey, Joe, uh, that's just like how you've been promising to find gold on my land and can't find it. Oh, it uh, is. Y- you think maybe that's what's happening? Like like God made it slippery because I'm not holy enough? I didn't figure. even think about that. Like, maybe... Maybe. Yeah. And as the Gadiantans ruled, witchcraft, wizardry, and magics of all kinds spread across the land. I summoned a demon. I cursed my enemies. And now you're holding two sponge balls. Boo. Boo. Uh, hey, kid, you want to you wanna lead our army? But, uh, I'm only 16. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I got a feeling about you, though. You know? Okay, but, like, you don't even know I'm a prophet. Like, the, the book that we're in is aware, but I haven't done anything that makes me special. Dude, do you or... want the job or not? Sure, why the fuck not? Okay, army of Nephites, are you ready? Yeah! yeah. Run away! Are you sure? Yep. And so it was that I got the shit kicked out of me all over the land. And my my people were spread far and wide because, you know, being 16 was probably a bad choice for a general. Yeah, I'll, that's, 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 that's me. I'm sorry about that. Oh, man, losing all these battles sure sucks. Well, did you guys try apologizing to God? Um, No. Okay, but you, you got to do it like you mean it or it won't count. All right. We're sorry, God. Whatever. I don't even want to talk about it. Okay. 
Are you still mad? It sounds like you're I'm, still mad. I'm, I'm not mad. I just need some time. Okay. But we said no silent treatment. I'm, so I'm, like not, I'm not giving you the silent treatment. I'm taking some time to think, okay? Time to think while you give me the silent treatment. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Nothing. Nothing. Love you. God. Love you. Wow, God was really pissed off about your guys' apology. Yeah, tell me about it. Whew. Anyway, can we stop here for a bit? Amarin buried some plates here, and I figure we might as well dig them up while we're retreating, right? Two birds, one stone? Yeah, sure, that was convenient. And lo, war broke out with the Lamanites again. There, see? Easy, now. Dear Nephites, uh... How you doing? It's me, leader of the Lamanites. Just letting you know we're planning to attack around three, if that works for you. Also, little Zoram is growing up so fast, he lost a tooth this year. Enclosed is a picture of our family, best leader of the Lamanites. Oh, God damn it! Now I gotta write back, right? Oh... I hate the Lamanites. They always do this. Hey, we beat the Lamanites. I know. Yeah, which is weird because you said God was mad at us, Mm -hmm. so you'd have thought we'd lose. Right, right. Yeah. Well, maybe what it was... It's almost as if God has nothing to do with military victory. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, if you guys are going to be that way, then I'm going to take my religion and go home. So you don't... Oh, no, don't... Don't do that. Don't take all your not ability to affect the outcome of the battle with you. Yeah, don't take away all of your... Make it terrible. Nothing. You guys are jerks. Dude, Mormon. What do you want? The Lamanites are kicking the shit out of us, bro. Yeah, they're winning all the battles and sacrificing our children to their gods. This sucks. Wow, that sounds pretty bad. Yeah, we were kind of hoping you'd come back and lead us to a rousing victory, maybe? No, no, but but I will take my plates and run away. Aren't you the good guy in this book? What's happening? Uh, okay, I'll do it. Wow, that did not work. No, it did not. At all. Yeah, sorry, you'd think. Uh, well, if it makes you feel any better, in a thousand years, super awesome Christians are going to find my plates. It does not. Yeah, no, that doesn't help at all. feel better. Even a little. Yeah, man. Lamanites. Bunch of dirty Am I right? Whoa. Seriously? Dude. Not cool. Uh, don't worry. We'll take that out in, in 2010. Take it out of the book? No, oh, the chapter heading. Fantastic. Great. Nevites, the time has come for our final battle here on the fields of Camorra. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here on Kamora, we shall make our final stand. Uh, we shall. Okay, guys, what? What? <laughs> you said come. See this. Come. This is why we're getting holocausted. This right here. And so it was that over a million Nephites were killed in a single day by the sword. Wow, uh, Joe. Million people killed in a single day. Mm-hmm. Imagine when we discover the archaeological evidence of that. What a glorious day it will be. Yeah, that'll be one heck of a day. Yeah. 
Unless, and like, cause you know, God might make those bones like super slippery. You know, you just, just FYI. Finally, the Nephites are dead. We don't have to hear about them telling us how awful and sinful we are anymore. I know, right? Hey, fellas, this is my kid, and you're going to hell. Damn it! And by the way, I've got some stuff to say to you, future people and atheists. They're wow. Like, you can what fuck around all day with your new up. Spider-Man right? reboot. And it, look, I, he's a comic who is, book character. Who is so this supposed to convince? If you want to make different choices, uh, I, I, make him a I know, funny I, it's, book, it's crazy. Totally this makes no me. sense. Honestly, Don't now that we're almost done with the book, I find MJ myself genuinely minute, asking, like, who believes this shit, right? He has this doesn't benefit from antiquity. It's, it's not so like kind of historical. It's just provably false you're, you're over and over again. To just have it really makes you wonder, powers. right? And that's yeah, why people it's, didn't like it's the, the power of belief, man. Because they yeah. weren't used to movies. It. And so you end up with stupid, gritty reboots. And who needs a goddamn Guardians what of the Galaxy Iron that? Man I, crossover? spent this whole time talking about comic books. The whole time. I don't need Iron Man to meet the rabbit thing. And safe in the knowledge that Heath and I could have casually chatted for another hour while Eli yelled about comic books, we're going to take a break, but we'll be back soon for the penultimate installment of Mormon Peace Theater. Before we drop the ball tonight, I wanted to thank everybody for making 2017 such an amazing year. I mean... Obviously, it wasn't amazing in the general global sense, but it was a great year for us. And we know that we only have you to thank for it. Here's hoping we succeeded in returning the favor and making a dark year a little brighter for you along the way. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday. And an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this show would seem to have a gratitude-sized hole in its heart if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for 300 165 days of hard work and dedication. I need to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Lusions for a lot of shit, but most immediately for buying me a saxophone for Christmas, knowing good and well that that meant she had to listen to me learning to play a saxophone. I need to thank the lovely in his own way, Eli Bosnick, for yet another year of technically not slander. I want to thank everybody who submitted a Farnsworth quote this year, whether or not we used it. Also, I always need more of that, so if you're still trying to figure out what to get me for Christmas, that's a pretty good one. Check the website for contact info and just email me an MP3. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's most marvelous mammals, Paul Other Paul, Kim, Philosoraptor, Jesus, Amos, Aaron, Michael, Other Michael, Thomas, Disease Machine, Barbara, Dina, and Jeff. Paul, Other Paul, Kim, Philosoraptor, Jesus, and Amos, who have so much gravitas that people at LIGO know when they're sleeping and when they're awake. Aaron, Michael, Other Michael, and Thomas, who are so bright, Santa's willing to take the franchise tag off of Rudolph. And Disease Machine, Barbara, Dina, and Jess, who are so naughty, Santa just got a mining rates in Pennsylvania. Together, these 13 lucky people, dinosaurs, and ailing appliances helped ensure that the resistance wouldn't run out of dick jokes next year by giving us money. Not everybody has the audacity, tenacity, and financial capacity it takes to give us money, but if you think you're up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scanningatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but you're only allowed to donate to podcasts during odd-numbered years, you can also help us a ton in the meantime by leaving a five-star review on iTunes, telling a friend about the show, or forcing youth pastors to listen to it clockwork orange style. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scanningatheist.com. Happy New Year. All 
All right, we're good to go. Rolling a marble inside <laughs> of a Florence flask. Why would you Ooh. have any of those things available? <laughs> I'm sorry. How how do you serve your Florence? Stupid, <laughs> stupid thing to say. Hi, Mr. President. Or am I not the, the puppet yet? You're not the puppet yet. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I get it, man. When your action figures need lined up, they need lined up. God damn it. Poop day. I don't like letters. <laughs> oh, the fucking cri- really extensive Christmas card from the third uh, cousin twice removed? No. That well, seems not. nice. Go fuck yourself. I'm going to answer your eight separate questions. <laughs> fuck off. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.